Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We have a very cool topic to go through today, and this is um, a series that we're in called Habits. And these are small Small disciplines that make a big difference in our life. Small disciplines that make a big difference in our life. And that being said, um, it's the power of routine. It's the power of routine. In the last couple of weeks, we have talked about the Word of God, just studying the Word of God, the need for the Word of God. Today, we're going to talk about prayer, but we're going to do it in a little bit different of a way that's going to challenge many people in this room because it's not going to be just about prayer, but it's, it's going to be about um, uh, spiritual warfare and what that means. So we're going to go a little bit deeper. I mean, it's okay. It's, it's okay to study the Word of God and go deeper, right? And that's what we're going to do today. And um, if, if you're new to this, uh, we have scripture that that's backs this up. And we just want you to take notes and listen because this is going to be highly encouraging to you. I, I've listened to a lot of people uh, about spiritual warfare um, that has made a huge difference in my life. Uh, one of my favorites being Larry Stockstill, who was just a few, here a few weeks ago. And, and in fact, uh, Pastor Josh and I get to go down there uh, to Pastors University. We're going to spend three days with Larry Stockstill and um, 38 other pastors for a three-day retreat. Um, and we get to do that four times uh, this year. We're going to be in Baton Rouge this coming week. Don't be jealous. Don't be hating, all right? You be, you be praying. Don't be hating, okay? And Because uh, it's going to be warmer down there. And... and um, uh, and we're going to have a phenomenal time just learning, um, uh, learning from somebody who's further along than we are. And, uh, and we're going to be challenged and we grow. How, how many know that it's, it's good for us to be challenged in the faith and to learn no matter what stage we are in this thing called Christian life? It's just good for us. And you're going to be challenged um, today. Uh, some of these things uh, I learned from Larry Stockstill. So look up Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 in your sermon notes, the very top, New King James Version. For we do not wrestle, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And if, if you were to read that and stop right there, some of you in this room are like, I don't like that. Like, I don't like the idea of warfare. I don't like the idea of having an enemy. I don't like the idea of the devil. I don't like the idea of demonic forces. I don't like the idea of wickedness or, or uh, rulers of darkness, of the darkness of this age. Like, I just don't like that, and I'd really like to opt out, okay? Let me tell you this. Whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, believer or non-believer, that, that battle is waging whether, whether you like it or not, whether you want to be a part of it or not. There is a battle occurring right now in the heavenlies and spiritual places, and it literally is good against evil. It is God against the devil. It is God and his forces against the devil and his forces. And we already know, we already know who wins, everybody. We know who the winner is, and it is our heavenly Father. He has already defeated Satan. Did you know that, everybody? Isn't that good news? So you don't have to be scared. When you come across verses like that, you don't have to wonder, oh, man, I'd really rather not. Can I tell you something? 
When you read something like that, you should say to yourself, Father, I thank you that I'm on your side. I thank you that I'm on the winning side and I don't have to be scared because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so, so just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's going to go away. And you can ignore it all day long, but it's still happening. And the Bible says we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. We have to know the word and we have to pray, everybody. We have to be willing to do battle. In fact, Chris Hodges says this, we are not physical beings having temporary spiritual experiences. No, actually, we are spiritual beings having temporary physical experiences. And you, you've heard this said, I've, I've taught you this, that we are spirit. We have a mind, a will, and emotions. We have a soul, and we live in a body. We, we, are, we are, are not having temporary spiritual experiences. We're, we're actually having temporary physical experiences because we are eternal. Like one of these days, we're going, as children of God, we get to be with our Heavenly Father throughout all of eternity in heaven with Him. Everybody, that's the good news of the gospel. We who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know our eternity is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ and in our Heavenly Father. You are a spiritual being. You have a soul and you live in the body, but the body is just temporary. Like, come on, everybody. You know that every one of us, as we look back, in fact, the older you, you get, the more you look back and you're like, wow, this life, like that. My son, my 18-year-old son is about to graduate. When did that happen? It happened like that, right? And you know that. It just... It, temporary physical bodies, but we are eternal beings. We are spiritual beings, everybody. And, and there are spiritual forces at work right now. In fact, there are, there are spiritual forces, there are demonic attacks over the church, over God's church around the world right now. It's happening right now. Not only over this place, not only over your life, but around the world. It's happening right now. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of those things. In fact, when we think about those things, we are called to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. So we are not unaware of his schemes. We have to know what his schemes are. And I'm going to teach you today how to live a life of prayer and really even live out spiritual warfare. 1 Timothy 1.18 starts like this. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Let's stop, stop right there. So this is Paul, who really is one of the heroes in the Bible, one of the greatest heroes in the Bible, and he has a protege named Timothy that he's teaching how to live out not, not only a life as a pastor, as a teacher, but also just life as a believer. So he's teaching his protege, and I want you to step into the shoes of Timothy and say, okay, if I were Timothy, what would Paul say to me today? Because you are a believer and you have a purpose in life. So let's learn what Paul would tell us today. He says, this I charge and commit to you according to the, now I want you to underline this, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. So there's some prophecies that by them you may wage 
the good warfare. I want you to underline good warfare. Not terrible warfare. Not I'd rather opt out of it warfare. No, good warfare. And what he's saying is that like warfare is not fun. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, there is some warfare that's going to take place, but you're going to see the hand of God, and when you do, it is going to be good. Good warfare. Having faith, underline that faith, and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, they have suffered shipwreck. So they rejected the faith, and now their life is really terrible, and that should remind us, but boy, good thing that we are found in Christ. It's a good thing. So what what Paul charges Timothy in these verses, and really us, he's actually speaking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about prophecies. He's talking about good warfare and, and faith in a good conscience. And he's like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't see that. Let me, let me prove to you how this this works. Number one, we're going to talk about the weapon, the weapon of our warfare. And right next to that, I want you to write the words logos, L-O-G-O-S, and rhema, R-H-E-M-A. Logos and rhema. Now, some people are like, well, I've always heard it's logos. Okay, stop it. Um, and because it really doesn't matter. And second of all, it's 50-50. Okay, I did the study because I wanted to know how to pronounce that right. And uh, for all of you know-it-alls, just stop knowing it all. Okay, here we go. Logos, logos, and rhema. We know what logos is. It is the written word of God. So you might want to make a little note there. The written word of God, or you could just write the Bible, logos. It is the written word of God. But rhema is different. It's the, it's, it, It is also the word of God, word logos, but word sometimes is translated rhema, and rhema means the spoken word of God, the spoken word of God. Uh, Let let me say it like this, everybody. Uh, In fact, let 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 me break this down to you by saying that God's word is a supernatural weapon that defeats the enemy. That's what God's word is. And we've been studying that for the last couple of weeks, that God's word is a supernatural weapon that defeats the enemy. Well, well, what is his word? Well, it is logos, it is the written word of God, but it is also rhema, it's the spoken word of God. It's the spoken word of God. So so let me put this in context to you, because when you study rhema, rhema, there's actually several different uses of the word rhema in today's context, meaning this, uh, rhema sometimes can be somebody coming to you, and they have a word of knowledge, they have spiritual gifts, they have a word of knowledge, maybe a word of discernment for you, a word of wisdom for you, and they speak that out, and they say, hey, this is what I really feel the Lord is telling me. Uh, uh, concerning you or concerning your situation, that would be, if it's from God, it would be rhema. It would be a spoken word. Now that word has to be found in the written word. Every rhema word has to be in alignment with logos, the written word. If it is not, then it is not rhema. Because rhema and logos never contradict one another. They don't ever contradict one another. They are always in alignment, okay? 
So if somebody says, hey, I just have a word of wisdom for you, I have a word of, of knowledge, or hey, I'm just discerning some things here that I want to talk about, that would be rhema. But not only that, yes, that's a form of it, and I know for a long time, a lot of you have just dealt with, hey, I'm going to go to somebody, I'm going to go to, because they're going to have a word for me. They're going to have rhema. They're going to speak the word of God over my life. And so the problem is, a lot of people, instead of searching the word of God and finding it for themselves, sometimes they tend to run to other people who might operate in that gift, but they run to other people as the source for their rhema. Can I tell you, the best source for your rhema is actually logos. It's actually the word of God. What if, in fact, the Bible says this way, that if we take the word of God, the logos, and then we turn it into a rhema, we begin to speak the word of God, that that is a supernatural weapon that defeats the enemy. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, you believe, believe what? Believe the promises of God, believe in God, believe the word of God. Because you believe, it says, we believe, therefore we speak. That faith is a matter of believing and speaking. Speaking would be rhema, but the believing would be logos and rhema, actually. Let me say it this way. So I get to the word of God. I, I go to the logos, the written word of God. I discover the promises of God. And all of a sudden, I get to declare those promises of God. Rhema. Rhema. And it is a powerful weapon that defeats the enemy. How many mature believers know what I'm saying is true? Raise up your hand because I need your help today. I need your help today. Because there's a lot of people in this room that don't get that. They don't get that. That you have the ability to speak the word of God, to speak the promises of God. And it is a powerful weapon in your life. Let, let me say it like this, everybody. That, that prayer is, is not only a matter of believing about God and who God is, but prayer is also about declaring the things of God, declaring the promises of God. It's not about just believing it and then just asking God for something. God, I believe your word, so therefore I make this request. Nothing wrong with that. The Bible says that, that um, we have not because we ask not. That it's okay to go to God and make some requests from God. But, or, 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 yeah, make some requests from God. But let's go even further than that. Is that our only means of defense? Is that our only weapon is just asking things of God. And the answer to that is no. We get to make some declarations. And the book of Job says that, that when we decree a thing, it is, this, it is established. When we decree a thing, it is established. So what, what is decreeing a thing? It's rhema. It's an utterance, literal. That's what the word literally means. It's, it's just an utterance. An utterance. It's, a, it's saying something. It's saying something. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, the, the weapons of the children of God, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine, what, what's that word? Power, but not just power, divine power. Divine power. Oh, okay, Let, let's stop right there. So that what, what, what that tells me is 
that anything that's of Justin has no power. But anything that's of God is super powerful. In fact, divinely powerful. So, so if you come up with your own formula for prayer, if you come up with your own promises, are, is there power in that? And the answer is no. No, no, no. We're not talking about self-power. We're talking about divine power, and divine power is only found in the things of God. So if you believe something that is not in the written word of God, is it powerful just because you believe it? No, it has no power attached to it. Things that are powerful always have to do with the things of God. They are divine. They are divine. They are supernatural. They are, you could say this way, they are true. So it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to sort of destroy strongholds. No, what's that word? To demolish, to com- let me say it this way, to completely obliterate strongholds. We completely obliterate, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it what? To make it obedient to Christ. Those, those words in there are not relaxed words. They are fighting words. You know what I'm saying? Like how many of you have ever, you, you were in high school and somebody said to you, said something to you, you're like, oh, that's, those are fighting words right there. Like those are fighting words. Don't you say that about my mama, you know, because those are fighting words. How many know what I'm talking about? So, so this isn't, this isn't, um, 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 boy, I hate to say it this way. The Bible is saying it this way, that you're not meant to live your life as a chicken, as a spiritual chicken. You are meant to live your life as a mighty man and a mighty woman of God who has divine power. You have access to divine power, and why aren't you using it? That's what this is saying. You have access to the very power of God. In fact, the power of God is in you. Why are you not using it? to demolish things, to completely obliterate things that are not from God. Am I helping you out this morning? Okay. So so we have weapons. The greatest weapons that we have are logos and rhema. It is the word of God, the written word of God, and the spoken word of God, and they are always in alignment. Number two, we have the warfare. We have the warfare. Next to that word warfare, I want you to put strategy. Again, going back to 1 Timothy, he says, he says, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. May, may wage the good warfare. It, it, warfare has to do with strategy. Let me say it this way, everybody. It is a long-term campaign in which we must be strong and patient and systematic. Warfare. Warfare is a long-lasting campaign. Let let me say it this way. You'll be in warfare until the day that you die. 
You'll be in warfare until the day that you die. You might have some battles that come quickly and end quickly, but you'll be in warfare for the rest of your days. So now knowing that, how do you act? How do you live? What do you believe? What are you going to say? How are you going to live out this life of warfare? You can do it as a spiritual weakling, but you won't accomplish much in the kingdom of God and you won't see the hand of God very often in your life because you're just a spiritual weakling. But when you rise up as the person of faith that you were called to be, then this subject matter doesn't scare you. The subject matter doesn't scare you because you know what God has called you to and you know who he is and you're ready for the battle. You get tired every now and then. Yeah, I get tired. I've never known somebody who didn't get tired. But we keep fighting. And when we fight, we see the miraculous. And that encourages to fight some more. And then we see some more miraculous things. In our life, and that encourages us to keep fighting some more. And then weeks and months and years go by, and we're stronger than we've ever been, and we're believing more than we've ever believed, and we're accomplishing more for the kingdom of God because we've, got, we've seen God do so much in our lives. That it's not, it's not a frustration to us. It's just a way of life. That, and I told you this before, but it's true. Like every morning that, that the church wakes up, the church capital C, every morning when a, a child of God wakes up, the devil should be there like, oh, no, oh, no. They're up. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no. Oh, it's going to be a bad day. The church is up. Come on, everybody. Woo. Strategy, warfare, a long-term campaign. And if it's a, let me say it this way then. If it's a long-term campaign, don't you need a strategy? You need a strategy, not just how to win this day, but how to win in every day that's to come. You need a strategy. And we find some strategies in the Word of God. In fact, we're not the only ones that should have a strategy. Let me show this to you. In Ephesians 6, 11, which we're going to get to more in a second, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, against the devil's strategy. You know, you're not the only one that, should have, that, that has a strategy. Let me say it this way. The devil has a strategy. What is his strategy? It's always to kill and steal and destroy. And so if there's killing involved and destruction involved and, and theft involved, you know that that's the devil's strategy. So why do we blame God for those things? Well, I've learned I don't blame God. I, I've learned I don't point my finger at God and blame him. I know who comes to kill and steal and destroy, and that is the devil, and he has strategies that make those things happen. If we are not aware, we suffer more loss. That's why we are sober and vigilant. That's part of our strategy, amen? This is good stuff, by the way. I'm, an, I'm bringing it today. That's all I got to say. I am bringing it. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, 
for we are not unaware of his schemes. Don't you know that the devil wants to outwit you? He wants to outwit you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to tempt you. He knows how to put things in your mind and in your heart that would distract you from the things of God. He knows how to tell you lies. He knows how to accuse you. It's his strategy. It's what he does over and over and over and over again. And we should never be unaware of his schemes or his strategies. Like when the devil whispers in your ear, you should be able to know it that that's his strategy and throw that out. Like, I'm not listening to you, devil. I'm not unaware of your schemes. Can I tell you something? The church around the world has a tendency to listen to demonic lies and to believe them. And we give the devil too much attention and we listen to him too often instead of rejecting him the very moment he comes and he accuses us and he whispers in our ear things that are lies, things that are contrary to the word of God. And we give him too much ear. Why? Because we're not properly, we're not really ready for the battle. We haven't prepared for the battle well enough to know when it's the enemy and to reject him immediately. I've allowed the devil to whisper in my ear way too often. And he had me so discouraged and depressed and, dare I say, living on the edge of defeat because I listened to him too much. Because his lies, let me say it this way, because his lies were pretty convincing. And because I didn't know the word of God well enough to know how to defeat him and to know how to distinguish between a lie and the truth. So you say, well, how do I know if the devil is lying to me? Logos. Logos. The written word of God, the Bible. You have to know, if you don't know this book, you won't know when he's lying to you or not. One of the greatest things that I could ever teach you as your pastor is for you to learn to feed yourself the word of God, to study it. As I said over the last couple of weeks, to ingest it yourself. One of the best things I could do as a pastor is to remind you, study this book. Know it, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth sets you free. Amen? Amen. So we have the weapon. We have the warfare. And now, now we're going to talk about the walls. I want you to write this down. I, I want you to write shield, or, or maybe you want to write the word armor right there. Because he said to Timothy, Paul says, the prophecies that we wage the good warfare having faith and a good conscience. Faith and a good conscience 
is your protection. It's your, it's your shield. It's, your, it's part of your armor. Let me say it this way, everybody. I wrote it in your notes. It is a God-designed defense consisting of confidence and righteousness, having faith in a good conscience, having faith in a good conscience. That, that's the walls that are up in your life that the devil can't get past. It's your shield, it's your protection, it's, it's a defense, a God-given defense consisting of confidence and righteousness, confidence and righteousness. Let, let me say it this way, everybody. Part of the reason that you believe the, lev- the, the devil's lies, part of the reasons that spiritual warfare, that you're afraid of it or, or you get nervous about it is because you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know your identity in Christ. And I'm going to show you some things this morning that are going to be powerful. And you might want to write, just give, you, give yourself some hints here about where I'm going with, with this. That, that, that knowledge, let me say it like this, everybody, that having faith in who God is, we learn that through the word of God, that having faith in who God is and a good conscience, knowing who we are in Christ Jesus, that knowledge changes everything. If, if you know what we have in Christ and you know your identity in Christ, it changes everything. That knowledge changes everything. As a, let me say it like this. As a child of God, as a child of God, we have been, I want you to just, just make just one word notes here. We have been crucified with Christ. Right? That just right, crucified. I've been crucified with with Christ, Galatians 2.20, we, have, we, we, have, we, we died with Christ. It says, Galatians 2.20, Colossians 2.20, both say really the same thing, that we have died with Christ. We have been crucified with Christ. We have been buried with Christ. Write that down, buried with Christ. By baptism, Galatians 3.27. Watch this. We have been clothed with Christ. Christ. Again, Galatians 3.27. We've been clothed with Christ. We have been united with Christ. Philippians 2.1. I'm talking about your identity this morning. We have been hidden with Christ. Colossians 3.3. Hidden with Christ. We have been made alive with Christ. Ephesians 2.5. That, that when, when, when Jesus died, I died. I, I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Right? That's what the Bible says. But we have not only been crucified with Christ, everybody, we've been buried with Christ, we've been clothed with Christ, united with Christ, hidden with Christ, and we've also been made alive with Christ. Alive, not, not just alive in Christ, the Bible says alive with Christ. <laughs> oh, I wish I could teach this to you. We have been raised up, the Bible says. We have been raised up with Christ, Colossians 3, 1. I can go even further than that. You say, well, that's pretty much the end of it. No. After, after Christ came out of the grave, what happened to him? He ascended into heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for you and me. You're like, well, that's Christ's body. Can I tell you something, what it says in Ephesians 2, 6? That we have also been seated with Christ. We have been seated with Christ. Let, let me say it this way. I am just as dead to sin as Jesus was when he was crucified on the cross. And I am just as alive as Jesus became alive on the resurrection. Let let, let me say it this way. As as Jesus was and is, so I am. It is my identity in Christ. 
When God looks at me, he views me as his child. He views me as somebody who is, who is now dead to sin and alive in Christ and with Christ. I have been seated with Christ. That, that means, everybody, you think of spiritual warfare, that, that, that it's an earthly battle. It's an earthly battle. No, I've been seated with Christ. So, so, so now I'm, 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 looking, I'm able to look down on the battle. I have a bird's eye view of what's happening in the world and in my life. And the Lord reveals it to me through his word. And I have power now to approach the throne of grace and the throne of mercy and to call out to my heavenly Father who loves me and he gave his son for me. And now I am part of his family and my identity is now with Christ. So, so, so does, does God the Father answer Jesus Christ? Well, so he answers me because I am with Christ. Oh, come on, everybody. how many know that I'm, that I'm right here? You see what I'm saying? So he's not just answering Jesus He's answering me because I am his child. The Bible says, I could go even further, that I am co-heirs with Christ. What belongs to Jesus now belongs to me, so I know my identity. But, but some of you don't understand that. You don't understand that your identity because you haven't studied the word of God enough to know your identity. Yeah, you hear sermons like this, but sometimes when you hear a sermon like this, the Bible says that the devil stands ready to steal it from you when you walk away from this place. That, that, that you, you hear the word of God, and, and it might get planted, but maybe it's planted on dry ground. Maybe there's some thickets around it, and it gets choked out, and it never produces a harvest. Can I tell you, when you hear a word like this, allow it to be planted in your heart so that it would grow and produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Like when you leave this place, having heard of the word of God, you should go out to your car and say, thank you, God, that I am found in Christ, and I am with Christ, and my identity has been changed from who I was to who I am now as a child of God. Everything that belongs to your son also belongs to me, and I give, you, I give you great praise because of it, Father, that I am a winner in Christ Jesus. I thank you that you're on my side and you've got my back, and you're gonna fight the good fight with me, that I'm never alone. All I have to do is believe in you, and you make ways where there seems to be no way. Woo! So you're in a battle. Well, well, pastor, okay, okay, I'm getting that, but how come sometimes the battles, how come they take a while? <laughs> let, let, let's, you think God is surprised by that? No, in fact, through his word, he tells you what you're supposed to be doing in the middle of a battle in the middle of your warfare. You think every battle is won overnight? No. Remember in Daniel, we, have, uh, we had Daniel prayed, and, and he started with these 21 days, uh, well, I should say he was prayer and fasting. And he prayed, and the Bible says, on the first day he heard Daniel, the angel came to him and said, hey, listen, I, I, I knew about you the very first day that you prayed, but it took me 21 days to get here because I was in battle with this prince of Persia, this demonic force. In fact, an archangel had to come and help me out. So I've known about, I heard about you the very first day you called upon the Lord, but it took 21 days for me to get here and take care of the problem. You can read that in the book of Daniel. 
Can I tell you, can I tell you something? That some battles are won instantaneously. Some are not. Some you keep praying. You ask and you keep asking. You seek, you keep seeking. You knock, you keep knocking. And what do you do in the meantime? If you know the word of God, you already know what to do. See, that's how important it is that you study this word for yourself. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, one of the most powerful portions of Scripture concerning spiritual warfare. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And watch what he says again. Stand firm there. How many know he's trying to make a point? He just said it three times. Like when you're in a battle, what are you called to do? To stand. And then after you've been standing, you stand some more. Can I tell you part, nobody likes to hear this, but it's true. Part of spiritual warfare is patience. It's patience in the battle. Some battles are won instantaneously, some are not. Some you have to fight for. I mean, really fight for. And really stand in the thick of it for a little while. Why did Daniel have to wait 21 days? Well, there was a spiritual battle that was occurring. He didn't know, it, he didn't know about it until the battle was over. Oh, that'll preach right there, won't it? One of these days, everything will be revealed to us in heaven. Every mystery will be revealed to us. And that means some of, those, some, of those, some of that spiritual warfare that just lasts and lasts and lasts, the Bible is so very, very clear. Part of your warfare is just patience. It's just depending on God in the middle of a battle. She says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always, watch this phrase, and always keep on praying. Like, don't give up for all of the Lord's people. What we're talking about are we're, we're, we're talking about how to win the battles, everybody. How do you win the battle? Well, you have to have the weapons. Logos and Rambi. You have to know the word of God. You have to know your strategy. It's the warfare. You got to know your strategy. And you got to have some walls in your life. You have to have some protection, some, some shields in your life. And the Bible says that the, the greatest shield that you could ever have in your life is faith. Just, we, we take up the shield of faith. And when we do that, we extinguish all of the enemy's flaming arrows, like all of the danger. You know, it reminds me of something that, in fact, I heard Larry Stockstill say this. A story that he tells, and, and you know this to be true. It's just a great illustration for this, that, that when battles were, would occur, they, they would take um, arrows and they would light the tips of them and shoot them up in the air and they would fire hundreds if not thousands of arrows at the same time. Everybody know what I'm talking about. And then the, the other, the, other the, the enemy would be out there and what they would do is they would crouch down and they would take their shield and not only hold it up in front of them, but they would lock shields 
boom, 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 boom. And they would all be behind the shields as they would just interlock. And all of the flaming arrows that would come and hit the shields, it, it, would, not, it would not hurt the, the enemy at all because they were protected behind the shield. And the, and the reference is we have a shield of faith that, that, that extinguishes all of those arrows, that protects us from all of those arrows. The problem with it is if you were, if you were in battle and all of these arrows are coming your way and you're behind a shield and all of a sudden you get stupid, and you decide to poke your head out from the side of that shield, if you move away from faith, from your shield, you're going to get hit. That's why the Bible says, no, 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 we don't move from out, out from behind the shield of faith. We live by faith. How many, how, does that make sense now? Yeah, we live by faith. And when we walk, we walk by faith. And when we're living by faith and walking by faith, the attacks of the enemies, it will come to nothing. They are distinguished. They are, they are extinguished. They are put out. So don't go poking your head around thinking that you know better. Don't go poking your head out thinking you know a better way. Well, if I do this, if I do this, then, no, if God does this, if God does that, God, you know what needs to be done. I'm just releasing this to you. You see what I'm saying? Let's stand up together. We're going to have a time of prayer. I, ho I hope you've learned something today with spiritual warfare. That prayer, prayer is a very small habit that makes a very big difference. It is a very small habit that makes a very big difference. And we need to be people of prayer. And if we are people of prayer, we also have to be people of faith. And we have to know, we have to know our weapons. And we have to know the warfare. We have to know the strategy. And we have to have some protection. We have to have some walls. We have to know what's going to keep us safe in the battle. And if you do that, I promise you, you will see success in your prayers. You'll be, you'll be successful in seeing the, the enemy defeated. Aren't you glad you go to a Bible-believing church that teaches the Word of God and teaches you how to man up and woman up, how to, as we say in the South and in Oklahoma, how to cowboy up? You know what I mean? Like how, how, to be, how to be who you were created to be in Christ Jesus. Everybody's in a battle. The whole world is in a battle. But we are not meant to just be in the battle. We are meant to be victorious. We are called to be victorious in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So we're going to do something today. We're going we're to raise up the shield of faith today. And we're going to pray prayers of faith. We're going to live by faith. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to declare some things by faith today. And if you have been in a battle for a long time, I don't care what it is. You know what it is. Whatever you've been praying for, whatever you've been praying for, and you're just going to take a step of faith today, and I, I want you to come down here and, and just fill the front, and I'm, I'm not going to lay hands on you today. I'm just going to agree with you. I'm going to join my faith with yours, and we're going to believe for the miraculous according to the Word of God.
And we're going to declare some things today. We're going to take our weapons and we're going to use them today. And, and, and we're going to believe. We're going to believe for some things that maybe you haven't been faith-filled enough to believe for. So we're going to embrace our identity in Christ today. And we're going to fight a battle right here, right now. Spirit of the Lord is here. If you know what we're up against in your... If you know what we're up against in the heavenlies, you can start praying right now. Not prayers of fear, but prayers of faith. Some battles are being won right now. I sense it. If you're ready to receive the miraculous, and you're in a battle, I want you to, I want you to make your way down here right now. That's all I'm going to say. Make your way down here right now. Believers, believe. <laughs> believe with me right now. If you know how to pray, you pray right now. Elders, you know what I'm talking about. Let's just bow our heads. Let's not worry about the time or anything like that right now. It's just too big of a moment to be concerned about those things. I want nobody looking around, just everybody praying where you are. If you're up here at the front, I want you to just open up your heart towards the Lord. I would start, if I were you, I would start. by thanking God for his son Jesus and your identity in Christ. You need to take that by faith right now. You need to take that by faith right now. That as a child of God, as one who has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, it does not mean that you are perfect. It does not mean that. But you have been crucified with Christ. You have died with Christ. You have been buried with Christ. You are now clothed with Christ, united with Christ, hidden with Christ. You have been made, you have been made alive with Christ. You have been raised up with Christ. And now you are seated with Christ. Know who you are. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. Know who you are. You are a child of God. Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? The Lord is on our side. You fight for us, and you are victorious in all that you do. 
You never lose. And victory is ours in Christ Jesus. So we raise our shield of faith and we move forward in faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. Victory is ours by our faith. We declare it and decree it that victory is ours and we know that it is now established in the heavenlies. Now, fathers, whenever we see the evidence, that is up to you, but we know, we know that victory is ours in Christ Jesus. It belongs to us. It was purchased for us. <laughs> and now we take it by faith. We lay claim to it by faith. And we honor you. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to you, Lord. We will not fear. We will not manipulate. We will not lose heart. We will move forward in faith, thanking you that deliverance is ours because our God is deliverer. That healing is ours because our God is healer. That salvation is ours because our God is Savior. You are a way maker. <laughs> Where there seems to be no way, you make ways. And we thank you. And now let's just bless the Lord for a moment here. We just bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We magnify you. Be exalted, O oh God. Be exalted, O oh God, in this place. Be lifted up in this place. Be praised. You are high and lifted up. And your glory and your majesty is forever. You reign forever. You reign forever. You reign forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the battle has been won. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live in fear. That we live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for us. You get all the praise. You get all the praise. I just want to wait on the Lord just for a moment here.
I just want to wait on him just for a moment. We wait on you, Lord. Strengthen your people in this moment, Father. Strengthen your people. Strengthen your children. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Empower us to be everything that we're meant to be in Christ Jesus. Empower us. Fill us. We thank you for it. Father, we declare these things as being done. And at the end of it, we say a very big amen. So be it. So be it. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 You guys can make your way back to your seats. I believe the, the Lord did some things here today. How many know it's okay to pray in church? How many know there's a lot of churches missing out on the things of God because they don't take time for the things of God? But here at New Song, we want the Holy Spirit to have freedom in this place. You wouldn't be here if you didn't either. I know you want that. I, I know you want to be a part of a life-giving church. And I want to tell you before you leave, Pastor Josh is going to come out and, and, and dismiss you, but... Before you leave today, I want you to know that you are part of a life-giving, Bible-believing church. And if you love this church, and if you think God is doing something here, and he is every single time we gather, he does, and he is, I want you to take, to take every opportunity and invite people to Christ, but also invite them to church. Because we believe that God is just beginning what he wants to do here. And um, I'm telling you, new song, people's lives are being changed all the time. If I could only tell you stories, I, I can't because of the nature of them, but lives are being changed all the time. And I want you to know you're part of something special. And for that, we give God all of the praise, all of the glory for that. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.